there every every Sunday and even wake up every morning. And uh, even if the mountains are moved, we know that God's peace and grace and mercy and love shall not be moved. And that's what we celebrate and remind as we gather together. Uh, my name is Drew Smith, the lead pastor here at College Hill Presbyterian. I want to welcome all who are here with us and those online with us also. A couple months ago, uh, Jayla Terry came and shared with me, you know, I want to had a rededication of my life to Jesus, and I want to share that. And I said, all right, well, let's share it with the, the congregation in the first and, and, and second service. And it took about two months for Jayla to say, okay, I'll do it, and I'm, I'm ready. So Jayla, uh, thanks for coming and sharing with us just how God has been faithful to you in these uh, last several years. Hello, uh, everyone. My name is Jayla Terry, and I'm the granddaughter granddaughter of Helen and Joe Brooks. I'm standing in front of you today because I was baptized at the age of nine, and since then, I have noticed times I wasn't living for God. I didn't put him first in my life, and sometimes I didn't even think about him at all. I'm here to share my story and my journey with God. The first time I found God was in middle school, eighth grade. I found him out of curiosity. I would see older adults in the church, deep in prayer, closing their eyes, lifting their hands, and even sometimes crying during worship service. I would think to myself, I want that same experience. I wanted to know what that was, what that all, what all that was about. So I began to read my Bible, pray multiple times a day, seeking Jesus, waiting for that feeling others have. One day, I was singing the song Reckless Love and Worshiping, and suddenly tears started falling down my face. I felt a loving presence I never felt before. That was the day I found out I received the Holy Spirit, and at the time I didn't quite know what it was, but I knew it was God's presence. My relationship continued to grow with God, until an event with spiritual warfare made me afraid and I slowly departed from the faith. When my freshman year in high school began, I completely cut God off and started doing my own thing. My life was completely sinful and against God throughout, throughout my high school days. However, during those four years, I always kept God in the back of my mind. Even though I wasn't living for him, he was still talking to me and calling me back home but I ignored him because I wasn't ready to let go of my worldly desires. There were nights where I would jump up out of my sleep and hear my name being called, but I would still ignore it. I felt ashamed and didn't feel like God loved me anymore because of all my sins and my wrongdoings. I realized I was digging myself into a hole that I couldn't get myself out of. It was time to turn back to God and his love a couple months ago in April, I found myself driving home from school and suddenly I began to feel a sharp pain in my heart. Trouble breathing began to feel weak and an instant migraine. It felt like I was dying. It was a strange feeling that came over me. Felt as though my soul was departing from my body. I knew in that moment that if I were to go, I would miss heaven, which has always been my biggest fear. 
I was so confused and scared, I called 911 as this was happening. I began to beg God to have mercy on me and ask him if he would spare my life, I would live for him. As I was in the ambulance, feeling like I was about to go, they could not detect anything wrong with me that was physically, they said everything was physically good. In that moment, in that moment, I knew God was trying to get my attention. I had a few anxiety and panic attacks after that day, but I believe God was testing me to make sure I was faithful, to know he was there with me through it all. Looking back on my own testimony, there were situations in my life that could have been avoided if I had God in the center of my life. Lots of pain I caused myself by the decisions that I made, now understanding why God tells us not to do certain things because he knows the outcome before we do it and wants to keep us from hurting ourselves. But what I've gone through makes me the person I am today, and I'm just happy it all ended with me coming back to Jesus and living for him. I thought I was missing out on the world, but I was actually missing out on the love God had for me and the love that he had to offer With him, my life hasn't been the same, and I've become a completely different person. My message to everyone is no matter how far you go away from God, he is always waiting for you to come back with open arms. And he loves you, and he's always longing for our hearts. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Jayla. Now, uh couple things I uh, hope you heard, heard from that one is you know the expression on your face during worship even has impact on people and I know many of you know and love the song reckless love and if you if you don't you know even well God can use reckless love as a song to change people's uh, lives so uh, Jayla a couple Sundays maybe we'll talk about you doing the rest of the talking up here in a um, just a couple Sundays, maybe a couple of months. But thank you for sharing. And we celebrate. We celebrate the reality of God's presence with us. That as we just heard sung, you know, the, the mountains may depart, but his grace and mercy, his presence and his love doesn't. Even if we run from him or push him away, he continues uh, to be present with us. No matter what we're facing. No matter what challenges or successes that, that may cause us to pull away from God. He never leaves us. Our passage uh, today is one where we'll look at, where we'll see again how in challenges, successes, good times, bad times, that God is always present to strengthen us, to empower us, to, to do what is right, to do what is best, to, to share Him with others. At all times... God is present to lead us, to honor and glorify him, and to do what is best and what is right and what is good. Let's pray. Almighty God, we do thank you again for your written word to us as it speaks to us in the reality of our lives. As we've just heard from from Jayla in in, in great ups and downs and in ways that we follow you and ways that we run from you. Your word continues to speak to us of your presence and your truth at work in us. So continue to help us grow and learn from you in this moment. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
um, Our passage is in Acts chapter 14, but before we jump there, I want to show you another map. Uh, If you were with us last Sunday, one of my favorite things are maps. Love how it gives a little bit of a picture of where we are in this story. Because this is the the story of Acts, is the story of the early church. And it happened all uh, in this area so far. And what you're seeing there, what is called Asia and red and Galatia and green, that, that whole area there is modern day Turkey. And then to the left of it, and Macedonia and Achaia right there in the orange and, and green to of your upper left corner, that's Greece. And it's all, so it's that far eastern part of the Mediterranean Sea. And, you know, and then below, Turkey is Syria and Jordan and Israel, modern day Syria or Jordan and Israel. So just to give you a sense of what part of the map we're looking at. And last Sunday, we looked particularly at uh, Antioch. Uh, which is just above Syria there, that far right red box, the church at Antioch. And that's where the church really was its launching station for the taking the good news to the rest of the world. And we looked at that last week in chapter uh, 11 and chap- beginning of chapter 13. And it was we ended that with then Paul and Barnabas being sent out from there, sent on their first journey beyond um, that uh, general area of the Middle East there. And you can see if you follow the blue line, the blue line takes you to the little, little island of Crete and then or Cyprus. And then from Cyprus, you go up into Pamphylia, the yellow there, and you can see... Um, uh, and uh, those cities are the, the red in the, the green part of Galatia. It's Antioch, anti, a different Antioch. And then Iconium and Lystra and Derby. And that's where we're going to be hanging out today. That uh, little section of green uh, there in Iconium, Lystra and Derby. Um, the uh, known as Southern Galatia. It's actually from there that uh, that's probably the churches that Paul was writing to when he wrote the letter of Galatians. To those different churches there. So that's the story of how Paul and Barnabas take the good news into those places. And how they experience a myriad, a myriad of responses to them. From really great and powerful to um, absolute direct opposition. And and so, and what we learn from this, and what we'll see is that God's carrying out God's plan in, whether it's in Jayla's life individually, in the world as a whole. And we have a myriad of responses and possibilities, but God continues to be faithful, which empowers us to always do the best that we can in the moment, knowing that God is present no matter what is going on around us. All right, so Acts chapter 14 Starting with verse 1. Now, at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their mind against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of His grace granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lycaonia and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Now at Lystra, 
there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking and Paul looked intently at him, seeing that he had faith to be made well. Said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voice, voices, saying in Lyconian, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness. For he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, With prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now what we've heard already today, what we've heard in this passage is that because God never abandons us, we can always depend upon God. Because God never abandons us, we can always depend upon God. As we we heard today, even in our failings, but in any situation that is around us. One of the things that we see in uh, Paul and and Barnabas in this story of the first missionary journey is that that we can always depend upon God. God's always with us, even in the strategic places. In the comfortable situations. Even when things are just right. Comfortable. How they're supposed to be. If you notice. When Paul and Barnabas. Whenever they went to a city. Almost every time. They would go to the synagogue. Why is that? Why would they go to there? Because they're now pretty far. If you remember the map. They're pretty far from Jerusalem. They would go to the synagogue. Because it was a more comfortable place. It was where the people who were there, they knew. They knew the stories. They, they knew that the story of Yahweh. They, they knew of God. They, they knew the promises of Abraham. That God had told Abraham, out of you I'm going to build a nation that's going to be a blessing to the world. They knew the promises made to, to Moses. That, that you're the one that's going to lead my people and out of you will come a prophet like no other. 
They knew the promises of David, that David, from your lineage will come the king of kings and lord of lords. And so they would go into the synagogues recounting those stories and then say, and we know the one. Jesus is the one that we've been waiting for. Jesus is the one who's been promised to us. So they knew the stories. It was a comfortable place, strategic place to get a foothold in the city. And what happened there was, was, we're told, was many believed, not only Jews, but also Greeks. In many of our lives, we're in situations that are, are comfortable. They're strategic. They're places in our family, in our workplace, in our neighborhood where people know us and, and trust us. And there are opportunities there. There God is present saying, how can you be a witness? Many of you, you, you don't even know if maybe one of you were the ones who were singing unto God, worshiping God in the moment. And that's the one that Jayla saw. You just you just don't know. But God is always present and working in our lives. I remember a few years ago. Oh, this is 15 years ago. Um, I was uh, playing basketball as a basketball friend. And we played for a while. He he knew I was a minister. Had another minister that played uh, with us. And, and so we knew him pretty, pretty well. And Steve was uh, um, younger, just uh, in, in college. And was sort of doing his own thing, as we just heard. And as he was doing his own thing, instead of God's thing, things crashed in around him. And he just had a day where school and relationship with his girlfriend exploded. And after after we were playing, I'm just like, Steve, what's up? And he shared the story what was going on. I said, well, and, and he... Turning to God. He's like, but God will never, I don't know what to do. I'm lost and I don't know how to even talk to God. I'm like, do you know the story of the prodigal son? He's like, I don't remember that story. So I got to sit down with him and say, well, this is the story. This guy went off, told his dad he wished he was dead, then went off and lived however he wanted to. And it really went downhill in a hurry. And he came home saying, I I just want to be one of your servants. He had his plan. God, he came to his father. Dad, I just want to be one of your servants. And the father represents God. And you know what God did? You know, the father did when the son returned. He threw a party. He ran to him. He didn't shake his finger at him. He didn't say you had to do this, this, and this. No, the nature of God is one who welcomes you back to your, back to himself. And, and Steve, that, that moment, just the, the lights went on and he started attending a church that he, um, uh, uh, it was near where he lived, and from that, as far as I know, haven't talked to him in uh, a long time. It's following the Lord, but that's a, there's situations like that. They're comfortable, they're strategic, and God's present and at work in you, in us, in the church. Now, pretty quickly, uh, verse uh, two and three, opposition arises. So, not only is um, God never abandons us. We can always depend upon him in strategic places, in comfortable situations, but also in difficult and uncomfortable situations. 
The opposition arises from many. Many here, but they're great success. And oftentimes, when many start to follow, then many will oppose. And that's what happened with Paul and Barnabas. And what we're told in verse 2 and 3 is, they continued to boldly bear witness about his grace. So there will be times when we'll get a lot of pushback. Uh, folks will oppose us when we're following uh, Jesus, when we're sharing him with others or just trying to live him, live according to how he uh, wants us to, to live. But what we find here in the church is we continue boldly to proclaim that truth, boldly to live that truth, even in the uncomfortable situations. And God is still with us and in this uh, situation with him. I remember about 10 years ago, had a group in, in the city asked me to be a member of a panel. And it was a panel about human sexuality. And I was the token person to represent what we understand to be what the Bible teaches about God's beautiful creation of human sexuality, that it's to be enjoyed between a man and a woman in marriage. Uh, that, 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 that means that it's not what's good. It's not what's best. It's not God's best when we enjoy that in other ways. Either outside of marriage or, or uh, as well, we don't believe God. God's design is for um, same-sex marriage. Well, in that room and in that group and in that panel, that, that was not the majority opinion. And so, now, they were very, very very nice and cordial, and we knew that's what it was about. But it was still a a challenging place to try to present that in a way that is kind and gentle, winsome, not judgmental, not to be received that way. But there's just, you're going to get, I got a lot of harumphs and deep sighs and rolling eyes and raised eyebrows. You know, when you're in that situation. But that, and, and that was a organized one. You're in those kind of situations as well. Living in the, the, the world, uh, proclaiming, uh, sh- sharing that, that we believe there's one God, that he visited the earth, that he died, that he stayed in the grave Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday he rose from the dead. We, we believe that. And to share that with others can also raise eyebrows. As Jayla was sharing a lot of peer pressure. And peer pressure doesn't stop in high school. Peer pressure continues on in our own lives. Uh, where at the, at the workplace. Where sometimes it's not the honest thing we're to do. But it's what helps the business. It, uh, in, in our neighborhood, in our community, in our relationships. Particularly with those that we disagree with. Those that have wronged us. We're called to do everything we can to make peace. And that's not the way of the world. Uh, So uh, we will face these opportunities of opposition, difficult, uncomfortable situations. And maybe you're in one now. God's present. God is at work. Just like he strengthened and carried through Barnabas and Paul, he continues to do that in his church today. Now, I do want you to note, um, uh, at the end of that uh, verse 6 and 7, in that situation in Iconium, when they Paul and Barnabas and the group, they start to hear, hey, folks are going to gather to stone us, to kill us. They said, okay, it's time for us to move on. 
You don't have to stay. There are situations where it's time, as Jesus told his disciples, well, dust off your feet and move on. So at, at times, you get to the point where you've done all the good you can, and there's other cities. As uh, my father used to say, there's, other, there's more fish to fry. So, so move, move on. All right, but not only then in difficult and uncomfortable situations, but then the third situation is a really confusing one. A, a real confusing situation. God is still present. God never abandons us. God is with us even in the confusing situation. So they've moved from Iconium. They've moved to Lystra and Derby, those other two cities. And there, they, 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 they don't go to the synagogue first. There may not even be a synagogue there. We're not, we just don't know. But in, as they entered into the, the, the town, the village, there's a man that's been paralyzed since birth. And he heals them. God, through Paul, heals him for the whole group to see. And the whole city sees and knows this man. I mean, he's been paralyzed since birth. He's in the city square. And now everybody knows that he's... And so it, it causes a ruckus. And they start celebrating. And they the, the only categories that these people know how to deal with the supernatural is the Greek gods. They don't have an understanding of Yahweh. They don't have an understanding of there's one God that created all things. They, they have an understanding of Zeus and Hermes and other gods. And so they interpret what they see by what they know. And there's no way for them to be able to interpret any other way. And it's in the Lyconium language. So Paul and Barnabas at first don't know what's going on, but they're, they're, they're developing this whole plan of having this sacrificial a worship service for Paul and for Barnabas because they think that Paul is Hermes and that they think Barnabas is Zeus. And so once Paul and Barnabas find out what's going on, that the, the temple priest, the, 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 the temple being the Zeus temple priest, he's got oxen and he's pulling in, got a big crowd coming, the fire started and they're about to sacrifice. Hey, whoa, wait a minute, what are you doing? We're just human beings. Just like you. Now, we're not Zeus. We're, we're not Hermes. And then he uses a way to try to explain to them in a way they can understand who God is. He, he doesn't go back to Abraham. He doesn't talk about David. He doesn't talk about any Bible stories because those would be meaningless to them. They would have no significance. He says to them, using uh, stories they would understand. No, this is the God who's the creator of all things. He he is the the, the one who has shown himself to you by providing rain for your crops and for your wine. By providing shelter. Similar to what Jesus said. That God causes the sun to shine on the righteous and the unrighteous. And the rain to fall on the good and the bad. So he uses ways that they can initially understand to explain who God is. Again, a very confusing situation, but God is still present with them. And again, I loved uh, Jayla sharing just, you know, confusing situations with all that's going on health-wise with her or the presentation of the headaches and the anxiety. And in the midst of that, recognizing that God was present. God had not abandoned her. Even though, you know, we can abandon God at times, God refuses to abandon us. Even in those confusing times. And maybe you're in one of those. 
You're in a, a real confusing time in your own life. You really just don't know what step to take. Everything you've tried isn't working. Whether it's in relationships, in family, work, finances, God's present. God has not abandoned you. Turn and seek Him. And then finally, uh, finally uh, we see through, through the, the list that God doesn't abandon us in hopeless situations. God never abandons us. So we can depend upon God even in what seems hopeless. So uh, Paul and Barnabas, they, they leave, leave Lystra after calming down the, the, the Zeus and, and, and Hermes um, uh, situation. And they now move to, to Derby. And as they're there, they're again getting great success at first. But then the folks that are opposing them, they continue to find them. And this time they don't escape. And Paul is stoned. He has rocks thrown at him until there's a pile of rocks all around him. And they think they drag him out of the city as if he's dead. Seemingly a hopeless situation. But in God's grace and mercy, he's not dead. His friends come. They resuscitate him. And he's, he's back the next day, we're told. Preaching the gospel. He's continuing to to move forward with the good news of Jesus. Then, after they stayed in Derby for a while, he goes back, we're told, and visits all the other cities on his way back into Antioch where he left from in the beginning to go back and strengthen and encourage each church, each gathering of Jesus' followers. He appoints elders, Gives them leadership in each one and gets back to Antioch and that the church then develops from there. I was reminded of a similar hopeless situation in a story that many, many of you maybe uh, may recall by Don Richardson, the writer of Peace Child. He was a missionary in uh, Papua New Guinea. And he, he worked with the Sawi people. And he, he shares a story in the book Peace Child of how they were cannibals, headhunters. They had a high value for revenge. When he read the Gospels to them, the hero of the story in the in Sawi culture, the hero of the story was Judas, the one who betrayed Jesus. They said, oh, he's brilliant. Look at how he was able to fool them and get in, become one of the closest ones. And then he's the one that caused him to, to die. And, and he is the real hero in this story. That was how the Sawi culture, what they valued the most, was being able to trick folks. And there were all kinds of stories of, and you can know it because that's the case. You can imagine there are a whole lot of Hatfields and McCoys in the Sawi tribes. And there are a lot of divisions and just vengeance after vengeance after vengeance. So a whole, that's why they're cannibalistic headhunters and why that was so prominent. And, and so Richardson says, this is hopeless. I don't know how in the world there's anything redemptive in this particular, this people. Until he, he finds uh, that there is in their lore 
a way to stop the violence. That one of the chief of one of the tribes takes his newest born son and delivers it to the other tribe so that that tribe can now raise that son as their prince and their chief. So the, the chief, in a sense, gives his son away. And that ties then those two tribes together through that sacrificial gift of one son to be the chief who's a part of tribe A, but he's also now the leader of tribe B. So they both have a common interest. And he had no idea of this until one day that it happened that he was there. And this movement of sacrificial gift occurs. And of course then, what turned out to be hopeless now is great hopeful. Because God's the great chief who has given his son for us to make peace with God. To make peace with God that never can be moved. Even the mountains might move. The the peace we have with God because of Jesus won't. It's a great book, uh, Peace Child by Don Richardson, but speaks to the hope, what seems to be hopeless from the world's eyes and from our eyes that God turns into filled with hope. Now, I, I don't know where you are today. You, you may be in, in a situation that is, uh, you're, you're comfortable and, and it's strategic and it's, it's a great place for that God has you to share the, the love of Jesus, to live out your faith, to be a witness to him. Or it may be in a situation that's really challenging, difficult, confusing, or even hopeless. What, what we see throughout the scriptures, what we heard today in real life, is that God refuses to abandon us. Uh, wherever that is, trust Him. Cry out to Him. Do also what we see Paul and Barnabas doing. Have, be, that's what the church is to be about, is strengthening and encouraging one another to carry out whatever the situation is, to be a witness to Christ. To be a witness to Jesus in the comfortable, the uncomfortable, the confusing, or the hopeless. That's who we are as a community. And that's what Paul is setting up. Little communities of Jesus followers to strengthen and encourage one another. Because he didn't know what the situations might look like. I want to take just a minute here of silence. Uh, just for each of us to sit with the, the Lord and bring whatever that situation might be. Whether it's the comfortable place or whether it's the hopeless one or one in between. Receive His encouragement. Receive His power. Receive His love as you bring that situation up to Him.
Almighty God, each of the situations we bring before you, each of our our lives we lay before you. We give you praise and and thanks uh, for the obvious ways that you have connected and demonstrated your faithfulness in Jayla's life. And we pray the same in our own lives today. We know that you you hear each problem, each concern, each station in life that, that we bring before you. Knowing that you hear and that you respond and that you will empower us. We, we pray for us as a church that we'll continue to be following the ways that, that Paul and Barnabas set out, that you set for us even then from the beginning, that we would be encouraging and strengthening one another to follow you in situations that may oppose, may even seem hopeless. May we, we be that, that kind of community. Uh, pray for growth groups and study groups that our meeting, that they, there'd be the safety to share the reality of our station in, in life, the situations that we're in, and that your spirit would empower and strengthen us to help one another, to spur one another on to love and to good deeds. In the midst of a Society in the midst of culture, in the midst of our own sin that doesn't want us to. But we know you, you lead us into what is good and life-giving. Almighty God, we give you thanks as well that we can bring before you um, different uh, needs and concerns of others. We, we want to pray for Kathy Mueller, pray your continued strength in, in healing her as she recovers from surgery. For Alice Robbins, the same as she recovers. Uh, for for Myron and uh, this battle with with cancer, for uh, Catherine Saunders and the death of um, of her sister this week, we pray that you would give her that sense of your peace, the sure and certain hope of the resurrection from the dead for her and for family. And and Almighty God, as we enter into the middle of the summer and folks are traveling and uh, uh, at least in our our part of the world, things are getting hot and storms are occurring. We we pray for one, for wisdom, for those who lead us, those that you've placed in authority in the nations of our world to do what is right, to best steward the beauty of your creation. We pray your protection as as storms and and heat rise and, and your provision for all of your people. Uh, we, we thank you uh, for summer and the ministries that have occurred. We thank you for swim ministry that finished this last week. We pray, Lord, uh, this or this first uh, session. And we, we pray that the lessons that were learned, not only how to swim, but how to love, how to grow in you, would continue. That those seeds that were planted would continue to grow for the rest of the swimmers' lives. We lift up uh, Mary Sue and uh, Verhagen and Christy Rediger who are in, in Kenya now. We pray your protection and, and uh, upon them and your provision. Thank you for the ministries they'll be connecting with and continue to guide and, and lead them in, in this, this time. We look forward to their return and hearing uh, what 
they encountered, how they experienced you in this time. We lift all these things up to you. Uh, Thankful, Lord, for your faithfulness unto us. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior of the world, we pray. Amen.